0: To uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo yo, what's up everyone, and welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with my main man, Mr. Andrew Croats. So I met Andrew at a gathering here in San Diego, and we started talking and immediately dropped into deep soul level conversation that tends to happen quite a bit when I meet someone like Andrew, who is so passionate about personal development, so committed to his own path to mastery, to life mastery, and and, and so disciplined. You know, one of the things I love most about Andrew, so let me give you a little bit of background on him. He is currently the founder of the Masters of Bait Brotherhood, which is um, a men's group that empowers entrepreneurs to master themselves and then master their businesses in that order. And this came after Andrew went through the hustle and grind culture to find that that lifestyle was not sustainable for him experienced burnout, ended up in the hospital, and then ended up selling his business, shifted his entire way of being, reset his nervous system, retreated to an ashram, and now is living a life that is in alignment. And I think alignment's the right word, because when we design our lives to be in alignment with who we actually are at our core, burnout doesn't really exist. And I think it takes time, it takes effort, it takes deconditioning, and it takes discipline. And that's what I loved most about this specific conversation. You know, Andrew is so committed to his practices, his energy rituals, his systems, and his habits. And he's created this lifestyle that has allowed him to stay accountable to his health, to his happiness, to his commitments, to his vision, and is so inspiring. After this conversation, I was just so inspired by Andrew's commitment to his life blueprint, and the level of ownership that he takes over creating his desired psychological and physiological state. And it was just such a a potent reminder that we all have the ability to create the way we want to feel. You know, We may not be able to shift the way that life presents opportunities for us. Life is going to be life, and it will be life well after we are gone, the same way it was like well before we were alive. But in that, there's so much for us to create and by owning our energy and owning the way that we are and creating sustainable rituals around our lifestyle that creates more energy, we can make radical shifts and we can move in the direction of alignment and truly actually step into authenticity. So I love this conversation. You guys are going to love Andrew, and I hope you guys enjoy the brilliance um, that ensues in this really fun conversation. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes Spotify, any of the podcast apps. All that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Let us know on social what stood out to you, what you're taking away from this conversation. Leave a review. It goes a really, really, really long way in other people finding out about the show. And I'm just so grateful for all of you. So thank you all for being exactly as you are. And without further ado, here is my friend and brother, Mr. Andrew Crudz. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What is up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode with Stay Grounded whoop, my boy, Andrew. It's really great to be, like, back in each other's kind of energy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I loved our initial connection and just hearing your journey and your story and how passionate you were about like living into your best self. I mean, it was really inspiring for me. So I'm just really grateful that we get to have another opportunity to, to go deep down the rabbit hole, but this time have a mic for others to enjoy.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. And it's funny with entrepreneur relationships, sometimes there are these like four or five, six month gaps before you reconnect. But when you do reconnect, it's so powerful and so exciting. So I hope this conversation
0: comes through to the audience that way. Well, what's interesting is like, you know, I find that there's different entry points into like the spiritual journey. There's different entry points into like asking those deeper questions. One thing I found very common is that like, Entrepreneurship sort of brings that out of you quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're going down the path and like it's one of those buckets of I don't know really what it is about entrepreneurship. I'd actually love to hear your perspectives. Like, what do you think it is about entrepreneurship that begins the spiritual journey of asking those deeper questions and and how did that happen for you?
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny. I think most of us, especially me, get into entrepreneurship because we don't want a boss. And then we want to make our own money and have uncapped income. And then we find it's more of a spiritual journey than anything. Self-development journey. And I think a lot of it comes with understanding ourselves and energy management in the entrepreneur journey. Because we're forced into so much focused work that drains our battery, that builds up stress in our body. And we need to figure out new ways to move that energy throughout our body and release that stress so that we can still show up for our loved ones after work and be happy and be productive outside of work. So I think it's just kind of a forced spiritual journey with with how much work we put in on our businesses.
0: Well, it's fascinating to hear you say that because I, I think I certainly fell into this trap of when I first got started down my entrepreneurial journey, I was overworking Mm hmm. <laughs> and not being very I thought I was being quote unquote spiritual and moving the energy. But I realized I was actually focusing on mindset, not energy, which are two yeah. very different buckets, I think, like, you know, the mindset yep. to be successful, like, do the things, follow the frameworks, execute, like, you know, be top of mind vision. That's all important. But I actually realized that I was falling into this trap of overworking my relationships were struggling, like my I wasn't the healthiest I'd ever been. And like my body was beginning to take kind of like that side role. And I totally resonate because I I think I had to learn that the hard way. Like, you know, like I had to be pushed to that brinking point. Yeah.
1: I think we all do. We, we, and most of us, especially me on enter entrepreneurship and it's the hustle and grind culture where that's with the Gary V's and that's all we hear from the self-development coaches when we first enter the space. And I burnt out hardcore. I started my business in 2017. And it was actually really successful in its first year, just from me working so hard and connecting with the right people. And then it was August of 2018. I just had this feeling in my body that something was totally off. Mm. Like I couldn't get up and do the work. Like I used to be able to do the work. I couldn't focus in any conversation. I was having massive brain fog. I was starting to go into a depression because of that brain fog. And I'm like, whoa, there's, there's something off here. And I kind of just tried to force myself through it and drink more coffee for the next like two, three months. And then it just hit that point where it was like, nope, you got to take time off. Yeah, And hired a health coach, quit drinking coffee. Um, I had a Facebook group and I had some programs at the time and coaching, marketing coaching. And I just put those on pause. And I went to Deer Park Monastery in Escondido for a month. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's monastery out there. And just it reset my nervous system. And I'm so grateful for that hustle and grind and bringing in money, which brought me abundance and freedom, which yeah. that's all I look at money at. Just abundance and freedom in a vehicle to push our mission forward. That's it. Doesn't bring happiness. So I'm so glad that I built up that much money. Like That was great that I could take that time off. And then I, I went to the monastery and it was just all wake up at five, meditate for 45 minutes, eating meditation after that, then an afternoon meditation, then a walking meditation, (laughs) meditation at night and a lot of naps, a lot of journaling. And I needed to create that space. And one of my favorite quotes is it's the space between the notes that make the music. Mm. And leading up to that point, it was just jumbled noise in my head. And then it started to sound like music when I came back to myself and went to the monastery because I created that space. And I wish that was the last time that I burnt out because <laughs> after that, I had all of this renewed energy and then built my business for next two years, scaled it, doubled it each year. And then I burnt out again because I forgot that lesson to put space between the notes to make the music. And to give you the longer story, in the same month, I broke up with my girlfriend. I had a falling out with my best friend. And I got in a car accident and woke up in the hospital. Wow. And in that same month, I was just like, wow, this is life telling me I need to make some changes. I need to like reduce complexity in my life and just simplify it. So the next two months, I... Found a buyer for my business, looked for a buyer, found a buyer, sold it, told them, hey, put me on a one-month independent contractor agreement to do the transfer, and then I'm done. We did that. Then I tried to find a monastery to go to again, and they were all closed because of covid And I found an ashram in upstate New York, Shivananda Ashram. So I went there for a month. And this time I got to study with yogis instead of monks, which was great. I did more yoga. We did more chanting, that sort of stuff. And again, my nervous system came back online and I felt like myself again. And it was just another reminder to put space between the notes to make the music. Mm. And since then I've been traveling. I created a new business, but the main thing that I would love for your audience to take away from this is put the space between the notes to make the music on a daily basis. Now I do breath work every single day. I meditate every single day. I move my body every single day. And I have that into in my calendar to actually get it done. And I use uh, day count to track how many days I do that in a row. And it's been amazing. Just like reminding myself to do that every single day and doing it every single day. And making energy my number one priority. That's what I'm constantly reminding myself about. Your energy is your number one priority. And then I actually do those things, which I call energy rituals. When you say
0: energy, like, what are you speaking to?
1: So that's a funny thing because everything's energy, right?
0: Right. So how do you define it for yourself?
1: So... How I look at it is like, we're either in a fear state of energy or a love state of energy. Mm. And if we're looking at it on a scientific level, like I was in a fear state of energy for the longest time, pumping cortisol, epinephrine through my system. And that was coming from working so much and just focusing on work and things outside of myself. And what I've been doing over the past year and a half is consciously filling myself up with love energy. And filling myself up with serotonin, oxytocin, like natural dopamine, and endorphins, which those are the molecules that I identify as love molecules. So moving from that fear energy in my body to love energy in my body, I do breath work and meditation to release a lot of serotonin through my system. I work out to release a lot of endorphins or just laugh and watch comedy things that releases a lot of endorphins for oxytocin, I make sure that I'm hanging out with at least one person per day. I never go a day where it's just myself all day anymore. And I make sure that I have at least two events on my calendar per month, which is like a big gathering event to release oxytocin. And dopamine comes from like learning new things. And I've created my life vision. I know where I want to go in my life and building the skill sets and learning about those skill sets and the knowledge I need to acquire to build those skill sets, which has released a lot of dopamine in my system, learning about those things naturally. So... Yeah, my whole thing has been moving from that fear energy state inside of my body. And to answer your question, I think it's just what we're actually releasing in terms of our neurotransmitters and our hormones. And there's definitely a spiritual component behind those things being in our body and moving it to more of a love state and moving more towards flow instead of force. So that's kind of a long way to answer your question of what energy is for me.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're doing a lot of work to remove anything that isn't flow, which would be fear, frenetic hustle. I have to do this. I need to be there. The shoulds, the could, like, it's like the, there's an energy Mm -hmm. even to the language of stuff. Like the way you, I always feel like, you know, you have your language and you have your behaviors, but underneath your behaviors, there are thoughts, feelings, your physiological state that Mm -hmm. are all informing that. And so it's like, getting from that fear to love is not just adding new behaviors and new practices, but also being very mindful to release what's not yours.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you have
0: any processes or practices that you follow for? Cause it sounds like I, I can clearly see like, in fact, I have a whole nother question for you later on. Like how do you keep yourself so accountable to all these new practices? Right? Like, I mean, it's so impressive, man. Like just the, the life you've created for yourself and how you're doing that. But I'm also really curious, like, what are your processes for releasing what's not yours? Like, Mm. how do you actually begin to make those, like the root cause shifts instead of just like managing symptoms? Like, what are you doing to kind of handle those root energies of fear that might be unconsciously just running in the background of your system that you may not even know about? Mm. Dude, I
1: love this question. Thank you so much for it, because this is what I've been working on over the past year and a half, where our thoughts, feelings, and our actions produce the results in our life. So with our thoughts, I created a little process around identifying core beliefs from our vision of the beliefs that we actually want that will help us get to our vision and the more we repeat those core beliefs in our brain, we form those neural pathways. One of mine being, I'm master of my fate and captain of my soul. So when I become conscious and aware of the thoughts going on in my head and I'm saying, I can't do this. Oh, this is super hard. All that stuff identifying the limiting belief and taking a pause, saying cancel, taking a breath. And then saying, I master my fate and captain my soul and becoming present. Sometimes it takes more than just one breath to like shift that that thought pattern. So slowing down and doing that and removing limiting beliefs and adding core beliefs from my vision. And I kind of have another story around that. So I've been going to somatic therapy, which has been incredible. I was depressed from 18, 24 years old and I was in a uh, talk therapy and somatic therapy has been so healing for me, actually so, tapping into the emotion, tapping into the body. It's so
0: much different than the, the the talk therapy. I mean, talk therapy has its place, but I actually really feel like everybody could benefit from somatic therapy. Like the talk yes. therapy is like, there's a few people that can get the massive value add, but we're all carrying that stuff in our bodies, man. And sorry, continue. Just wanted to yeah. add to
1: that. No,
0: I agree. And
1: some way from this, definitely try somatic therapy. Yeah, it's just moving that emotion and actually processing our emotions at a body level than a story um, head yeah, level. For sure. No doubt. So it was like three months into going somatic therapy and there was this one session. And during that session, when I was processing emotion, I realized that I had a deep rooted core belief from my childhood that was super limiting. So, my mom used to tell me, Andrew, you're so selfish. You only think about yourself. You only do your own thing. I was a super independent kid, which has served me in entrepreneurship. But those caused this limiting core belief in my head that like lasted up until like I processed that at age 28 last year. Yeah. And what that did was I had that core belief my whole life, which was, you're selfish, you only care about yourself, that sort of stuff. But I knew deep down in my heart that I didn't believe that. So that was the root. And if you think of it like a tree, the tree trunk were the assumptions that I was making. So if I talk to this person and talk like talk too much or whatever, they'll think that I'm selfish and I only care about myself and that sort of stuff. And then that was running all my other thoughts being the leaves of the tree. So I identified that core belief that I've been holding onto subconsciously for the longest time and was able to replace that with, I deeply care about people. I Mm. have so much wisdom that I want to share. And that has helped me move more from like an introvert type to an extrovert type, but I'm still (laughs) at the core, an introvert, but I definitely flow in conversation way more and can connect way deeper with people with removing that core belief that was installed in me in childhood, that was super limiting, and then replacing it with a positive core belief. So that was a whole thing around around thoughts, just swapping out core beliefs and being conscious of our thoughts.
0: I just want to also name on that piece right there, because you said something that's really important. You didn't just replace the beliefs and the thoughts, you also released the energy related to that belief and thought, right? So somatic therapy, like, for anyone listening who doesn't know what somatic means, it's like of the body. So it's like whatever emotional energy you're storing, whether you release it through crying, you could release it through breathing. There's a lot of different tapping, there's a lot of different techniques for releasing emotional energy, but hmm. like it's the combination of the two that then actually allowed the belief to be replaced. Cause I I certainly have fallen into this trap where I think it's just a mind thing. Like,
1: Oh, I'm mm-hmm. just going to
0: tell myself that I'm super successful and that I'm awesome and I'm going to keep going and doing these things. But the unconscious memory is living in your emotions. It's trapped. Mm-hmm. So it's like those signatures have to be released alongside the beliefs. Like I just want to make sure I caught that because it's so – I think – I just want to make sure I caught that as as you were sharing.
1: Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. And I love if what you brought up earlier around we're so focused on the mindset. You were so focused on the mindset for the longest time. But actually, the more powerful component is focusing on our energy because yep. we attract what we are, not what we want. So mm. – That goes to the next point. So our thoughts, feelings, and our actions produce our results in life. So we're looking at our thoughts. What are our core beliefs? How do we swap those out? And then we want to look at our feelings. How are we processing our feelings? And how are we getting into a good state? So I created these things that I call energy rituals. So on a daily basis, and I keep it really simple, just 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day for breath work, 10 minutes a day for meditation, meditation, and 10 minutes a day for exercise. And what the breath work allows me to do is that with breath work, I'm moving the energy throughout my body using the breath. And anybody listening, they can look up Wim Hof online, holotropic breathing, DMT breathing, breath of fire. You can look those things up on YouTube and, and start getting into breath work. So that allows me to move the energy and process the emotions in my body. Like without even trying, it's just like, Oh, that was a thing that I didn't even know was there. Like three weeks ago, I cried doing, during holotropic breathing because I was thinking about my parents and how I haven't called them in a long time. So I sent them a text after and I was like, wow, I didn't even know that was, that was there. So I do breath work to process the emotion. I do meditation to focus the mind. I used to think I had ADHD. I didn't. I just wasn't good at processing my energy and optimizing my energy to focus it. And then exercise to move the body to release endorphins and have that natural painkiller being endorphins go throughout my body. So the physiology is on on point. So I do that on a daily basis. And then I do three long breathwork sessions per week to process those emotions. So 20 to 30 minute journeys. And there's a really good app, the pause breath work app by Sam Skelly, highly recommend downloading it. She has journey sessions on there. And those are what I do three times a week
0: to fully process those emotions. I just freaking love how much ownership and leadership you're taking over your physiological state. Like that to me is like self-leadership is one of the most important types of leadership. And I, I just love the, um, the amount of responsibility you're taking. I mean, like, it's inspiring. Like, were you always this way? Or did you build up to that place where you're? I mean, I have, or I guess maybe do you have a process you follow to keep yourself accountable? Maybe that's a better question. Because I, I think I certainly set intentions and goals. And I'm like, I'm gonna do all these things, I'm gonna have all these things. And then life gets the instead of me actively actually cons- like staying consistent i fall off so like yeah how do you actually keep yourself accountable do you have any processes or anything that you use for yourself yeah so that goes to the third thing actually so good setup there great um, completely <laughs> unintended this podcast is not planned just like any of them but you know hell yeah we're letting souls guide the show so go ahead <laughs> so we talked about
1: thoughts. We talked about feelings. Then we want to talk about actions. So how do we actually stay accountable? It's designing our time. So it's owning our calendar and designing our time. So a year, two years ago, I hired this dude named Spencer Burnett. Paid him $40,000 to come into my business and teach us how to time block and time design. That was the best $40,000 I ever spent because... Now, what I do is I have blocks in my calendar for my energy rituals. I have two hours in my calendar each day for deep work. And that's where I get the number one thing I want to get done that day. I put in that two-hour time block. I'm learning guitar and I have 30 minutes per day to just practice guitar. So learning that skill set. And I have time where it's just like, cool, I'm off the clock. And this is friends and family time. So I end my day each day at four o'clock. Then I do 30 minutes of energy rituals. So breathwork, meditation, that sort of stuff. And that has been a game changer because I used to not be able to turn it off, turn my brain off and be present for my loved ones when I was off work. Now Mm -hmm. I hit a hard breathwork session meditation when I'm done with work, and then I transfer over to, okay, it's free time. So then I do 30 minutes of playing guitar, and then it's time to hang out with friends, go out to dinner, that sort of stuff. So it just comes down to time blocking and owning our calendar. And so that will anchor our actions. So our core beliefs anchor our thoughts, our energy rituals anchor our emotions, And then our time design or our calendar anchors our actions. And then it's actually perfect timing too, if you want to take it one step further. I created this thing called the Align Goal Setting Process. And what we have our brothers do in the Masters of Faith Brotherhood is create a life vision, what they want their life to look like. And I created my own process around that because I had a vision for my business in my last business, but I didn't have a vision for my life. I'm like, no shit. I got burnt out because mm-hmm. I wasn't focused on the other areas of life and how I want my relationships to look like. And physically, what do I want to look like? What does my mental energy look like? What does my emotional energy look like when yeah. I'm that most evolved self? So we have them create a life vision then annually. We have them create in a yearly annual vision. So what is their vision? What do they want to look like for the year? Because year goals are too hard to like track and there's too much stuff that changes in a year.
0: I was going to say like, I, I haven't set a yearly goal and almost like, like, I gave up on those like the first year I tried because I realized like I was accomplishing my goals and like, sometimes like I would put something in the universe and like, I would, to start acting. And all of a sudden it would come into life a lot faster. And so I found it a lot more effective to set like three month goals, but have like a yearly vision that I was inspired by.
1: And just like for the year, for the life, just put it out there, like put that vision in, in our minds. So we attract it, but not like solid goals. Yeah. So we have our annual vision and then we have our quarterly goals. Like, (laughs) fucking nailed it. So 90-day goals, Todd Herman talks about this. So many people talk about the value of 90-day goals. Like, that is the time where you can see the most change. You can track it. You can commit to it. All that stuff. And then from there, we set monthly objectives. Objectives are essentially goals that are going to get us to our goals for our quarterly goals. So what are the objectives that we're setting for the month that will get us to our quarterly goals? And then what are the projects that we need to put in place in order to achieve those objectives that month and for our quarterly goals? And then what are the tasks that need to be completed for each of those projects? And then taking the time to do that is essentially time design for our life. We're designing our life through that process. And we take those tasks... And then we put those in our calendar. So I have two hours of deep work from 8 to 10 every single day. I take the tasks that I need to complete for a certain project. And then I put those tasks in those two-hour time blocks. So for example, one of my tasks is uh, completing the self-mastery course, which is launching October 1st. And one of the last sections that I needed to create was a training on this exact process. So why I'm talking about this today is literally I created it today between eight and 10 o'clock and documented it. I had it all in my head, but I hadn't documented it yet. So then we just take those tasks from our projects and plug it into our calendar. And then we're anchoring our actions and committing to the things that are actually going to better our lives.
0: That's it, dude. It's just the process in the system. Do you yeah. ever feel like just throwing the system out? Like, and what do you do when you have those impulsive feelings? Just be like, screw this. I don't want to do this right now. Like, how do you start to like anchor? Cause like, I, at least I don't know. I'm sure someone listening might actually have that problem where they all start with great intentions. Yeah, But then it's just as easy to not. And so like, what do you have in place to like anticipate Stuff like that happening, and and how do you how do you course correct or or teach or even teach others to course correct as they begin to fall off the the wagon?
1: So I got this from Alex Harmozy. It's the eighty twenty rule, not that eighty twenty rule, but that you just need to get it right eighty percent of the time, and you're way ahead of everybody else. Like, I'm never trying to be perfect. There are plenty of times I adjust things on my calendar. I change it around. There are some habits that I fall off of, but I'm always doing my best. But one process that I've found when it comes to implementing habits or removing habits is making sure that we're setting them up in the right way and making sure that we are changing our expectations around our habits, so I used to just be like okay I'm just quitting drinking coffee it's not a habit anymore and I would go back to it within a week cuz I hadn't like looked at what are some of the issues that might arise when trying to accomplish this habit change so now I look at like okay what does my schedule look like for the next quarter okay are these things coming up that's going to limit me and adding that habit or removing that habit from my life. Okay. If something's coming up and it's super important to me, I won't start at then. I commit to at least a hundred days for a complete habit change. And then I look at the pre-commitments. So we have trigger and then we have the behavior and then we have the neurological reward. So how do I go from a trigger and interrupt that trigger to it actually becoming a behavior? Mm. So, I still vape. I actually have really good like beliefs around vaping and nicotine and that sort of stuff. But it is something that I'm going to quit in the next two months. I cycle nicotine on and off. So it's then identifying the pre commitment that interrupts that gap between the trigger and actually uh, engaging in the behavior. So my pre-commitment to quitting just about anything is five minutes of breath work. If Mm. I have the trigger in my my head of like, oh, I want to go to the vape store and buy a vape and do that. Or, oh, I just want to, if I'm quitting coffee, pour a cup of coffee and do that. Then I've created a pre-commitment before starting that journey of removing that habit or adding that habit to my life. It's telling me, okay, if I feel this way, then I'm going to engage in five minutes breath work. I'm going to open up the pause breath work app and do five minutes breath work. And then that allows me to create space between my thoughts and that trigger for me to actually stick to that habit change. So that's one of the most important things. And then adding or removing friction. So like for habits that we want to stop, we want to add friction to that habit. If we want to stop watching TV late at night, then we just unplug our TV. We could move it to the closet. We can do that. That's adding friction so we don't engage in that habit. If we want to add a habit to our life, let's say reading 30 minutes per day, then we want to identify how do We engage in a state change to want to engage in that habit when naturally we're going to feel it during some time during that process where we're going to feel like we don't want to do that thing. What I'm so really is it 100?
0: Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, finish up.
1: Yeah. Just last thing, is it a hundred ups Is it breath work? It's anywhere we're changing our energetic state and then we can commit to doing that thing. So well, making think, those pre commitments and adding friction. I yeah.
0: love that, man. And I love the interruption, like even with cravings, like when you feel the craving or when you feel the thing, the pull, like pausing yeah. and having a commitment to doing something that shifts the state to where you actually crave something else, right? Like it's like that, that's such a, and I think that's what I, I keep loving about all of these practices and habits. Like it all comes back to physiological state. It comes back mm-hmm. to your energy. Like when you manage, when you can learn to manage energy and when you can learn to build the awareness of your energy mm-hmm. and understand the frequencies, like when I think about a craving, that is a frequency of lack, mm-hmm. right? Like when I think about a craving or like, I really want this or I'm going to get more caught, co- like all of those, like. I might not call them quote unquote fear energy, but it's like a lack. Mm-hmm. It's like a, oh mm-hmm. man, I need coffee to go do this. Or like, I can't get to that state where I feel grounded in my body. So I have to go get this. Like there's yeah. this, this grasping for the external instead of coming back to my internal experience and taking ownership of it and shifting it. And I think that's such a powerful reminder that we are beings of. Energy, having a human experience, not human beings
1: managing energy. You
0: know what I mean? Like it's like the other way around. Like we're actually all energy and all these other things are the byproduct of our energy being in alignment. And it's on us to learn how to manage our energy, shift state, understand the nuances and practice the awareness to be able to even tell when you're in fight or flight or rest and digest. Like that's all on us to own and learn. And we can inspire each other. But at the end of the day, it is like that self reflection that allows it to be something that we can carry with us into our days and into our lives.
1: Yeah. And only we know that, right? Like just tapping in and becoming more conscious and aware of how we're thinking, how we're feeling and how we're acting. That's
0: so important. I'm loving like the passion that you exude for personal growth and spiritual development. Like why do you think you're so drawn to like mm. experiencing those upper limits within yourself? These questions are so good, Raj. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think I was always that way. I was definitely a super independent kid. I would just do my own thing and do what I wanted. Like, I was a kid who would ride around on a plastic tricycle in the neighborhood with no shirt on, one boot on, one sandal on. Like, this this is me. But I definitely lost that for a long period of time. Between 18 and 24 years old, I was super depressed, uh, taking Wellbutrin, Lexpro, and now talk therapy. And it turned into complete numbness. I didn't know how I felt in any moment. It was just numb. I didn't cry for six years. It was... Yeah, didn't have any type of emotion. I was basically a robot. And it all started from a trigger from breaking up with a girl that I was absolutely in love with when going off to college, and then joining a fraternity and engaging, addicted to drugs, poly drug user, and uh, just drank every night. And then, um, it wasn't until I was 24 where I came by the poem Invictus by William Ernest Henley and read the final two lines, i master my fate and Captain my soul, where I don't know why, but that just stood out to me. And I was like, I need to take radical responsibility for my life. I can create anything that I want out of my life. So I set a goal to lose 20 pounds and quit drinking in 90 days. And I ran over across the street to this little pizza shop that I knew had free calendars. I grabbed a calendar and I marked off 90 days and put an X through each day that I was sober. And day 45, I broke down and cried in the shower. It was the first time I felt anything and it was so cathartic. And then 30 days later, I was 21 pounds lighter. I weighed myself at the YMCA and it said 162 pounds. Holy shit. And then 15 days after that, I was 90 days sober. And I realized in at that moment where it's just like, wow, I really can do anything. And I came by an Ed Milet YouTube video like three years ago. And he summed it up perfectly when he said, when you make promises and keep promises to yourself, that's when you build confidence and momentum. Mm. And that 90 day period proved it to myself. It was just about being my word and making promises and keeping promises to myself. So that's kind of turned into this whole self development journey of just making promises and keeping promises to myself, even in really small ways. Like I went to the sauna yesterday or moves like four or five days ago and I committed to 20 minutes of being in that sauna and somebody cranked it up and it was super hot and as soon as I stepped in I'm like oh shit but I committed 20 minutes so it was this internal battle for the full 20 minutes of like Andrew you can make excuses you can get out like just do it like this is literally killing you and I just said I'm going to do it. But those thoughts kept popping up. I kept going to my breath and I got to the 20 minutes. I heard my, my alarm go off outside the sauna and I'm like, and I felt so much better. I knew if like I got out early, I would feel like complete shit for not being my word. Um, And there's a limit to that. Like, I don't want to kill myself, but like inside of that moment, I knew I could do the 20 minutes. It was just a mental game that was playing. So I did that. That was my word. And Those small moments lead into all of the big moments. So that's been a really helpful mindset tweak.
0: Well, what's beautiful is it's like that's the greatest commitment of self love, right? Mm. Like it's keeping promises to yourself because your word matters. Like you regard your word so highly that you would, like, there's no way in hell you would let yourself down. Like that to me. It's so powerful to to bring awareness to that because I think we put, we, I think we can get really hard on ourselves, like, especially guys, like I think in particular, I think we can get really hard on ourselves, like with self-love and, and being, and trying to reach for perfection. But I think that pursuit of excellence, that pursuit of our greatest potential is in some way, shape or form also the greatest expression of love. For self. Like we love ourselves so much that we are going to stick to our word. We are going to do the things that we think are hard. We are going to put ourselves out there and try things that we haven't been able to accomplish. Like that to me, it's beautiful, man. And I and I just really want to honor that and reflect that because I, I see you. I, I totally see the level of care and effort and energy that you poured, not just into your own personal development journey, but you know, making tools and experiences and environments for others to also step into themselves and, Mm -hmm. and to hold themselves to that level of love. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's inspiring. And I'm just very grateful that we're, we're friends. I'm grateful that I get to learn from you and I get to witness you being the most authentic, vibrant, expressed version of you. So thank you for just existing brother. I'm very grateful.
1: Dude. Thank you so much. And I've never connected the two. You articulated it so well, where it's just being your word is love, self love. Yeah.
0: That's powerful. It is, it is. like self love is at the intersection of, you know, I am enough as I am, and I have so much more to give the world. Yeah. Right? Like both is self love. Like, and only we get to decide what that is and in what capacities. Like, so I've certainly been on, you know, when I first got down the entrepreneurial path, like I was like, I need to make changes in my life. So it was like, I, there's so much more and it was all about the doing and the expansion and the growing. And then at yeah. some point I burned out, my relationships were shit and cause I didn't yeah. go the other way, which was learn to accept myself as I am and not need to work so hard. And yeah, you know, what I mean like it's this gnarly ride where you're kind of like <laughs> teetering back and forth and it requires the awareness to know where you're at and the journey and, and others to be able to mirror back to you which I think is really, it's like, I guess like who have been your mentors on this journey for you, like from near and afar, like, cause I, I heard you clearly invest in coaches and teachers. Like I certainly yeah. feel that myself, but are there any mentors or, or, or people who have played a significant role for you on this journey?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me has been like involving myself in communities and buying into coaching programs, masterminds for the communities, I've never had a one-on-one business mentor, but on this journey, like my new business partner who I've known for four years and being really good friends with, uh, Nick Robbins, um, he ran an eight-figure agency. Um, and he's just, he compliments what I do in, in so many ways. And he was one of the brothers in the brotherhood that I run and he was exiting his agency and we were just joking around. I was saying, come master's fate, come master's fate. And we were joking about it. And then two weeks later, he's like, I think I want to join your team. I'm like, holy shit, this dude that I've been looking up to and friends with for four years, who compliments my skill sets in so many ways wants to come onto the team. It's so cool. And like, I haven't had really solid one-on-one business mentors. It's mainly
0: come from books and YouTube videos. Also, just want to highlight is like, you seem like somebody who just learns, like you look for mirrors more than mentors. Maybe let's switch that to mirrors. Yeah. Because it looks like community is a massive mirror for you. Like being around other people that are like pushing themselves and kind of being able to mirror back to you. More than mentors, like it's like your peer groups and your environment has been a much bigger impact. Am I correct in kind of saying that?
1: Yeah, and it's just like picking up little things from the people that I really admire and some people that I don't really admire, but they have some certain wisdom thing about them that they're really good at that thing. And just identifying what that is, like Mike Sherbakov, I really look up to. Who lives in San Diego and yeah. he gone on house builds with him in Baja, Mexico. And his level of care, I really admire how much he just cares about people and allows them to feel safe and secure when mm. uh they're around him. And like I'm always just like it's such an energetic thing than it is like any tactic or anything like that, which I like I'm always analyzing those people that I really look up to and people who
0: are really good at what they do. I mean, at the end of the day, like what I'm taking away from this, and I'd love to actually maybe have you say a few words about masters of because I know it's something that you're working on right now. And you mentioned it a few times on the podcast, like that community aspect of, you know, being able to find your mentors in mirrors, like that, that idea has been so valuable for me. Like everyone Mm -hmm. you, you meet in your life has something to teach you. In fact, my most powerful mirrors are the ones that piss me off, Yeah, right? Like the people yeah. that I get triggered by, like emotionally triggered by, like those are the ones that have the most for me to learn from. And yeah. when I can quiet my ego and humble myself to that experience, you know, even those, those micro moments of frustration can have a profound level of awareness built on the backside of that if you can learn to lean into everybody in your life Mm -hmm. as those as those mirrors and so it's not just to be around people that inspire you and are like make you happy and you know and like kind of in the same it's also like be around people that are like wildly different from you because you're very quickly gonna find your blind spots in those Mm -hmm. like mix-up communities and so yeah at least that's how I find like I've I've found the mix to be very where I'm at in my journey right now it's like how can every single person I meet be Teaching me something. Like, why are they here mm. for me to learn? And yeah, like, shifting the lens to like this is my hero's journey, and you're here to show me something. Because at the end of the yeah. day, we're all experiencing our own reality. So I love that. Yeah. And for my experience with that,
1: I went from like frat bro in college to moving out to Encinitas, California with all these spiritual people. Nice. And then <laughs> that was a real that was a real fucking mirror.
0: <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. But to that point, one of the most powerful things that I've done is identified my own values. So I started with uh reading the values factor by Dr. D Martini. Oh my god. That Dr. Helped D Martini is
0: so, so good. Legendary dude. I did the I values. love his it's balance. Awesome. Yeah. He's so good. He's so good. Continue on there. said <laughs> it really. Love
1: <laughs> no, no, he he deserves it. But I I categorized my values then in a way where I created lifestyle core values, character core values, and operational core values for myself, and that has really helped me with identifying values that I want to live up to and embody, and also values to keep me in in alignment. So like my top five lifestyle values are community connection philosophizing travel and family so that's what i've how i've set up this new business masters fate is i created community i get to connect deeply with the brothers i get to i hired an amazing team um, so I get to think deeply about subjects and create my own frameworks out of things. We have plenty of events all over the world. So I get to travel a lot and family I identify as building my future family and being the person who attracts the, my forever person, being the man who attracts that. So that has really helped because I was in Mexico city for three months and realized I was feeling out of alignment. I was like, shit, I haven't traveled in a little bit. And I flew back. To Encinitas, And I felt back in alignment. So I was in alignment with my lifestyle values then. And then character values has been so helpful, identifying people being grounded, interested, interesting, and defining what those words actually mean to me. So like interested people asking me questions, which is showing their interest in like Raj, you're really fucking good at that. And that has really helped me identify like, right away why things might feel off with a certain person. Maybe they're in like a bad mood or something like that. But um, oftentimes, it's because we don't align in character values with one another. And I can learn something from them 100%. Um, but I know I don't want to spend the majority of my time with those people that don't align with my character values because they're not my person and I'm not their person. And that has been really helpful, just identifying my character values of who I want to spend my time with and who I want to spend less of my time with or cut out of my life. So, and cut out of my life to create something new and beautiful um, with somebody else that aligns with my character values. But then after I did that, I created a list of my soul family, the 12 people that light my soul up the most. And I realized that like, 90% 90% of them align with my character values. I'm like, holy shit, that makes a lot of sense. So I created that list. So I have I have it in Airtable right now, just a spreadsheet. And I go through it on a weekly basis and uh, look at who I haven't connected with in a little bit from my soul family. I make it a note to reach out each week to the people I haven't connected with in my soul family for a little bit, because those are the 12 people that mean the most to me. So that's been really powerful when it comes to a relationship, helping me with my relationships as I engage in a wealth season of building this business.
0: Mm, I love this dude. Well, man, I feel like I could talk to you for hours just because there's so many, so many damn just, I mean, I had a feeling when first time we met, I was like, this dude's going to be in my life for a while. Like, I just really appreciated (laughs) like the Same level here, of depth dude. and the care and you were walking me through your air table actually and I was blown yeah. away at like the amount of thoughtfulness that and accountability that you hold for yourself when it comes to like living into your best life. And so I just really appreciate your brother and I just want to thank you on behalf of everyone here, everyone listening for sharing your wisdom and for making yourself available to all of us and for doing your damnest to poor something good into the world and so i just want to reflect back that uh that just want to reflect that back to you because i i totally see you as you're stepping into all of it and it's really 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 beautiful i appreciate it
1: man and i'm lit up by what you're doing i'm stoked to have you on our podcast and jam
0: out some more and see how we can help each other hell yeah brother so masters of fate that's your your mastermind for men is that what that is yeah yeah Yeah. Cool. So
1: we have, we have a pretty big vision for the entire company as a whole. So we're going to launch a sisterhood as well. We're launching masters of business, masters of wealth coming up. But right now it's just a masters of fate brotherhood. So yeah, in that we help, uh, first help guys master themselves, self mastery. Which comes down to identifying your core values, your beliefs, those core beliefs, your thought anchors, your energy rituals, your emotional anchors, and your time design for your action anchors. And that just frees up a lot of freedom in our lives when we can master our thoughts, feelings, and actions and time in our life too, when we're being intentional with it. So it starts with self-mastery and then we move to business mastery. Majority of the guys in the brotherhood have a business, but we have some salespeople in there, real estate agents, that sort of stuff. And then we move on to relationship mastery and identifying who's in our soul family, who's in our fun family, who's in our financial family, setting up a CRM for our life, a customer relationship tool for our life, not just our business. And then learning language patterns, body language, and tonality to get better with connecting with other people so those are the core components mindset energy relationships and finances
0: and there's like a link to go apply or how does that work yeah the
1: best way is just add me on facebook andrew cruzi k-r-o-e-z-e and tell me what your favorite part about this podcast was if it stood out to you and
0: we can jam out from there Cool, and you're also really active on Instagram, so definitely tag you and make yeah. all of your social stuff available in the show notes, bro. I got one last question for you. In yes. the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been, and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded?
1: So the first thing is having good people in my life. So Dakota Longhair, who is our head coach in Masters of Fate, he's my rock. If I do hit something where it's like I definitely need to talk this out, I have him to call. I do breath work every single day to move my energy and process my emotions. Um, And I do meditation every single day to focus my energy on a single point and direct my attention where I want it to go. And just moving from a fear state to a love state. It's it's a journey, but every single day, just getting 1% better.
0: I love it. Brother, again, I am so grateful that we got a chance to jam today. You are the man. And I'm excited to go deeper and reconnect and jam in person soon, too. Um, So, Me too, dude. Thank you so much for this. This is fun. Yeah. Everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Andrew. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life.